Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. The podcast where the dogs are the stars of the show. of the Relaxed Dog Podcast, sponsored by therelaxeddog.com. Thank you very much for finding the show. I am your host, Robert Ober, and I hope that you and your dog are well. Our guest this week is Dr. Lennon Fu from London. But first, in some doggy news, the internet was again divided when a simple post was put on of an elderly gentleman that wanted to check out a new recliner for his lounge room. Uh, When his family took him to the uh, furniture store, he had a simple request, and that was that his companion would be able to check out the chair to see if it was suitable. And yes, his companion was his dog, Coco. So they put a post on, and of course, everyone said either great or why is the dog in the furniture store? Anyway, they both like the chair, and I understand that they're all very comfortable at home. Does your dog chase squirrels? This next little news item could make you think twice. And it probably make you think twice anyway because it has been reported that in Russia, a dog in a forested area was attacked by a number of squirrels. Um, there are supposedly a couple of people that witnesses that witnessed the attack, but um, there's a few people that are a little bit skeptical that a bunch of squirrels would attack the dog. Nevertheless, you have been warned. The uh, results were the uh, November, even though it's a bit late. I can't believe my dog ate was most popular one was Theodore, who uh, showed his prize dead rat during a Zoom meeting. The votes are now open in the Facebook group, and we have Di with a tin of paint, Akasha with a friend's mattress, Sissy with her own poo, Paddington likes chewing on some concrete blocks and Sirius gets into rat poison. So it's a nice selection there. Uh, I think it's time for this week's interview. Welcome to the Relaxed Dog Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Lennon Fu. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Very excited. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, who are we going to talk about today? Today, we're actually not going to talk about one, but actually seven dogs. <laughs> so, oh, you're going to ambush me now. <laughs> seven. <laughs> there is one favorite, though, so we can focus on that one. But uh, yeah, I did have seven dogs. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's absolutely fine. We'll focus on the one, and I'm sure there's going to be the, that interaction between all of them is no problem at all. So, um, yeah, I had those dogs. Actually, I rescued those dogs. It was a when I was a kid, and um, at the point in time before I became a vet, I was a fairly average pet owner, not the best. I was. I mean, now knowing what I know, I look back and I cringe. It's like, how on earth could you <laughs> treat pets like that? But hey, we live and learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, we rescued those. We rescued three dogs <clears throat> from uh, my mom's friend uh, who couldn't have the dogs anymore, and there were three miniature pinchers. So they came in a group. It's not as though you can just take one. And after that, um, so they were called Duku, Queenie, and Miu Miu. And Duku and Queenie were the father and mother, and Miu Miu was the little daughter. Then after that, uh, they had another litter, uh, Duku and Queenie, and we had four more little puppies coming up. Uh, very, very cute. They were called a gnome, sprite, 
Elf and Pixie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, so I had seven dogs at some point of time, but uh, the closest one that was uh, I was always closest to was to Mew Mew, the little girl who my friends uh, And uh, yeah, she certainly has uh, helped me a lot in my life. Yeah. So about how old would she have been when you got her? I was about sort of uh, 18 years old. Okay, and how old so, was Mew Mew? Oh, Mew Mew was about uh, just uh, one year old. Just one, okay, so, yep. Almost like a little pup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's nice. like an instant family. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so how was the initial transition when the, the three of them first came into the, the household? Um, it was uh, it was okay. Uh, it was it was good, actually, because uh, they came as a pack, so they had each other for company, um, and uh, they were always just hanging about with each other, and they all lived in my room. I had a little balcony because, uh, as it turns out, I was the only person in the family that likes animals, <laughs> considering. So um, so they all lived in my room in, uh, in in a little balcony as well where they could go outside. And uh, daily I take them for walks or the usual sort of things. But uh, there wasn't too much of a transitioning issue. I think they were just uh, pleased that they were all still together with each other. Ah, nice. Did you know where they came from previously? Um, well, I live in Singapore, so um, at the point of time I was in Singapore, so all dogs uh, are imported. There isn't too many animal breeders in Singapore at the point of time. That time, you know, pet shop trade is still fairly large, so usually their parents would have been from uh, Australia, actually. Um, but no, they were all just bought in shops in Singapore. There wasn't the whole, you know, breeding breeding family sort of thing that you have in uh, England where I'm situated right now or probably in Australia as well. So it's not unusual for you not to see the parents of the puppies, especially if they're pedigree. Okay. And I'm I'm also guessing at that time there wouldn't have been too many rescues or sort of like pound things like that. And and hardly, hardly hardly any street dogs as well. Yeah, no, you're right. Hardly any street dogs because uh, Singapore being Singapore is extremely a small, tidy country and the dog control warden is pretty good at trying to uh, keep the place clean, so to speak. So we do have a a RSPCA or equivalent for SPCA um, where they do uh, home unwanted dogs. uh, But at the point of time, I cannot be sure of my facts. I, I think that's the only thing that I knew, that if you wanted to rescue a dog, you could go to that particular place to rescue. I'm sure there were other rescues as well, which I wasn't aware of. Okay. Ah, oh, nice. And so the, in, the interaction initially with the rest of your family, was it a, you have a large family yourself or? Um, no, fairly average Singaporean-style family. I have just one sister, I live with my parents. Uh, we were quite lucky because we live on a compound that is, uh, has got a front garden and a back garden. And uh, randomly, my grandfather built this compound. So uh, there were like three levels of, um, there were three floors and each floor had two units and she gave and he gave each unit to his daughters. So I lived with all my aunties and all my cousins in the same block of uh, flats, so to speak. But nonetheless, we have a front garden and back garden. So the dogs had access to the front and back garden. And we also live about so 15 minutes walk from the beach. So we take them to the beach quite often as well to walk along the coast. So oh, that's nice. quite nice. <laughs> and did they enjoy the beach walks? Yeah, they were quite feral. So I do very little training. And when I I don't expect dogs to sort of uh, roll over and things like that. They do know their names, interestingly. And I sort of train by consistency rather than going for lessons and things like that. So they do know their names. They know how to sit. Um, they know how to wait and things like that. But when I go out with them, I tend to let them run free. So if you can imagine three dogs just running free. I'm just walking and they're just running around me. They go too far. I'll whistle and they come back closer mm-hmm. and they're just like little pack animals. They see something interesting. One will bark and the other two will follow. So it was a interesting, uh, it usually is fairly an eventful walk. <laughs> so because uh, invariably they'll find something and I'll have to go and check it out to make sure it's okay or just whistle and they come back. So <laughs> it's certainly not those walk whereby you walk and not, care about dogs at all because you expect them to be by your heels. Uh, it's not like this at all. But 
Yeah, but nonetheless, it was the way I liked it. It was fun. That's nothing wrong with that either, I think. <laughs> there, was there much interaction with, with other dogs that they have on the on the beach there? Yeah, I mean, uh, there are three miniature pinchers. So miniature pinchers are like Dobermans, but Chihuahua size. Um, they certainly liked uh, liked other dogs, or they felt they had a Doberman in them. So invariably, they'd be looking for much bigger dogs and barking. And I'm like, you do know that you're, you are the size of that dog's head. <laughs> but I don't think they saw that. So they like interacting, but I think the... One one sort of a thing which I'm grateful for is that they are their recall is very good. So they bark a little bit, I'll whistle or just call them. They'll come back. Uh, it's uh, they've not got into a fight before or anything like that because they do know how to back off, uh, especially when I sort of get them back. Yeah, uh, nice. And what sort of uh, games does does like Meow Meow like? Or- yeah. Uh, Tricky, you know, it's one of those things. I see amazing dog owners with their dogs and they throw balls, frisbee, they can jump into the air and get it and fetch a stick and things like that. Um, or even those hunting dogs, they can pick up birds and things like that. But uh, Mimi wasn't like that. Mimi just did what Mimi wanted. Uh, she enjoyed being beside me. She enjoyed barking at bigger dogs. Uh, but no, she didn't do the fetch or anything like that. So there wasn't much of a sort of specific game that we do. But nonetheless, we do spend a lot of time together going walking and uh, cuddling and talking. Uh, but yeah, so there isn't any specific games. In fact, all the other dogs would run further away, but Mimi would always stick quite close to me and just uh, wanted to see what I was seeing. And uh, yeah, so I had one... F- I had one faithful dog that stuck by my side all the rest ran to, uh, ran to explore. <laughs> yeah. So at the beach, how were they uh, in, in the water? Um, dainty, very dainty. I can't touch anything that's too dirty. So it depends. Duku, the father, was a bit more uh, adventurous and I couldn't care less how he looked being a man, <laughs> whereas uh, uh, Queenie and Mew Mew, both uh, the females in the family, was like, there's a puddle over there, I'm not going anywhere near it. There's The, the grass is wet, I'm not going anywhere near that, whereas a Duku would jump into the pond and things like that. So they were quite dainty about the beach itself. They said, okay, there's waves coming, They maybe their feet will get a little bit wet, but that's it. They're not one that jump into the water and go swimming. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, what about with uh, still water? Did the same um, sort same of thing. Again. Yeah, no, they may drink from it, but uh, they certainly don't jump and play in it. Uh, Duku would jump. Duku would jump to a pond happily, which he has, uh, except the pond is much too deep, so I had to go and rescue him. <laughs> uh, I was like, why do you jump into that? Uh, but uh, for the two girls, no, they were like properly dainty. So they were, you know, Miu Miu was usually by my side, unless she sees a cat or something interesting and she runs off or comes back quite quickly. Duku would be the one that wanders as a male. Uh, he'll wander a little bit further away, you got to call him back and uh, he'll, he'll come back eventually. Uh, Queenie is halfway, so she'll explore a little bit, come back again, explore a little bit, come back again. So they tend to do their own thing. So what I do is when I say I take them walking, I literally just take them walking. So I'll be walking and they'll just be falling on the side. Occasionally, because I roll a skate as well, uh, I also get my skates in. And uh, so the walk will be slightly faster. So <laughs> you see this? Skater skating and adults are just running beside him. <laughs> that sort of view, uh, that sort of a vision. But um, yeah, so it was uh, all quite interesting. There wasn't any specific, I don't bring a ball or anything like that uh, to play with them exclusively. So they just literally did what I did or went where I went. And um, sometimes I do take a Mew Mew shopping. So, because she's small enough to fit inside my pouch, so I had a pouch. So when I go to shopping centers in Singapore where dogs are not allowed, I would just lift her up, pop in my pouch and uh, just carry her around the shops. And uh, occasionally when we are in like uh, shops, like a uh, Gap or something like that, then she'll just let off a little bark and everybody looking down, where did that bark come from? Then I'll be like, okay, time to walk away from the shop right now. So that's also quite, uh, quite, quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Singapore, I was quite lucky to live not too far from a, sh- a shopping mall, so we could cycle there. So same again, when I was cycling, I put it in a pouch, <laughs> and I was just cycling with her in a pouch. And uh, yeah, so it was quite. She she was uh, pretty much always with me whenever I could, really. Um, but yeah, 
So nice. that was a, yeah, seen, she just did, she just went where I went to, which was quite nice. <laughs> I seen, I think I could be wrong if it was New York or something like that, where they had the, a rule on the subway that you could take your dog, but your dog had to be in a basket or, you know, a bag. And so what a lot of larger dog owners did is they would get, you know, something like a big sack or something like that, put a couple of holes in for the feet and just take take the dog around or a a big luggage bag or something and just it would look like the suitcase with legs just walking around. So they they were technically going to the rules. (laughs) Very good. No, I, I can see how that works. I've not seen that before, but that sounds very, very fun. <laughs> You're walking the, the bag with a dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously she wasn't frightened or anything like that on the, when you are on the on the bike and stuff like that? She was very, very steady. She, she was just, she was curious. And sometimes she even just tucked right in and just fell asleep. So... <laughs> Nice. So yeah, initially she was right. I was like, how on earth did you fall asleep with me cycling? But the, 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 she did. So that was a pretty amazing. Like I said, I was quite lucky. I wasn't sure how well it would work and I'm not very sure whether it will work with any other dog I have now. But with her particularly, she was happy to sit in the pouch and not be silly and jump out and something like that. So uh, I think uh, you can do to each dog what they allow you to do really even for the example you just stated the dog in a suitcase I, I suspect not many not all dogs would be as compliant as those that has been seen walking around with a suitcase but there you go. <laughs> no I think there's some of that just would not wear anything like that <laughs> exactly exactly yeah um, do you have any like uh, parks or outdoor areas that you took them to uh, yeah, so like I said, uh, the front and back garden, that's the usual place and the beach is a very, very long beach. So that is the usual haunts really. But you know, what, what I remember most uh, fondly is uh, apart from the walks on the beach, because it was always nice, especially when I rode skates and things like that, is the long conversations I had with, uh, with her or with them actually about life in general. And I'm sure many dog owners would... Um, sort of relate to that it's been said that one of our human basic needs is the need for love and connection most people go for connection because love is too tricky <laughs> and connection <laughs> anything you get a dog you walk away from the dog for five minutes and uh, when you come back he or she will look as though she's not seen it for six months so I used to spend a lot a lot of time just talking to them and they were amazing listeners not that they have a choice but you know everything from studies to the difficulties you have in life uh, love relationships uh, all the successes all the failures and just keep listening and listening and you know over time you just have this Automatic conversation with the dog, which I'm sure I'm sure you relate, and many many dog guardians relate as well. You just chat to your dog as though it's a person, and you even feel that they have responded in a way whereby they bark at you, the way they look at you. It's like almost yeah. having a proper conversation. Especially and when they do that, that little cock of the head is just like, huh? Exactly. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and you think, exactly. oh, you're thinking exactly. about it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And uh, especially before major uh, decisions are to be made, you still have a chat with them and get their opinion. <laughs> like, okay, which vet school shall I go to? I've just been accepted to Murdoch in Australia, or should I go to the Royal Vet College in London? <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, thank, thanks for helping me with that. <laughs> it's the uh, one in London you've chosen. So, yes, let's go to UK, not Australia, but there we go. <laughs> Um, so, our loss and the UK's gain then I guess <laughs> uh, not at all not at all I think it's just a slightly different slightly different but yeah so yes I certainly do chat a lot with dogs and um, when I had them and it was like I mean I think any dog guardian would uh, associate and relate to that you have very very long conversations on walks and decision making yeah <laughs> <laughs> ah that's nice <laughs> um do you think that Meow Meow has any sort of like uh, peculiar habits or individual habits apart from um, listening to yes. your conversations? <laughs> yeah, no, she, she will cock her head, like I said, no, bring a little miniature pincher. She was very good at a head cock. And very occasionally she will bark, 
almost in agreement or disagreement. <laughs> so, so okay, well, it was actually, uh, you, you asked a question and if she did bark, you go like, wow, okay. You did have quite a strong response. You feel strongly about this. Usually just a head nod or just a, they just ignore you and you believe you, you believe they said something. <laughs> but when she actually bark, like, hey, you feel strongly about this. <laughs> That's interesting. But uh, yeah, so uh, they was limited to that. Sometimes, sometimes, very occasionally, she did it twice. I can't remember why. She'll come to you and put the, put her paw on your lap. I'm like, okay, that was interesting. Did I expect the response? But uh, yeah, so. So you mentioned making a decision about uh, vet school. Mm. Did Mao Mao and the family have an influence in your life in that way? Yeah, no, it was always difficult because in Singapore, there are no vet colleges. So all Singaporean vets are all overseas qualified, usually Australia or UK, but some from you know uh, China, Taiwan, and all various degrees, um, and some from America as well. So what it meant was that for obvious reasons, I had to leave the country, which uh, one of the biggest decisions that I had to make was to uh, rehome uh, my dogs, which was extremely, extremely tough. Um, and that was very, very challenging. I tried to hold back as long as possible, but I knew that it was unfair for my family, whom, like I said, I was the only person in the family that likes animals, uh, for them to hold on to the dog while I was studying, studying full-time in London. So that was very challenging. Um, certainly, she affected my choice, like I said, in a way whereby I was asking, okay, Australia or UK, and she gave me her nod. I said, okay, let's go UK then. If, if I have your approval, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it, was, it wasn't so much of the choice. It was more uh, of which vet college you go to. It was more of the fact that I had to leave the country and uh, that I had to rehome all of them. So that was challenging. And uh, that is also why I promised myself and said to myself, I'll never get another dog again unless I am committed and I know that I can take care of his entire natural existence, uh, which also limit, limited to me to when to get a dog, like in UK, because you know, obviously I was a student, full-time student, a foreigner as well. And even when I'm working in UK, I wasn't sure how long I'll be here and things like that. So that really helped me back in getting a dog. I was very sure that I can take care of his natural existence because rehoming them was uh, one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Yeah, absolutely, and I I applaud your your ethics and your it's uh, and having dogs or having had dogs makes it so much harder to say no. I I will live my life at at mm-hmm. this stage without one because mm-hmm. it's not being going to be fair on that dog. But I know that later on I'll be able to, to devote myself and and that dog will have a much better life. I consider myself very lucky, really. At least I get my doggy fix from work. Yeah. So, so then every day I'm like, okay. I keep, so it's not as though I'm, I'm totally without a dog. It's just unfortunately my dog. <laughs> I think it'd be quite tough if you like dogs and actually physically could have a dog in your life at all times. Mm. That'd be questioning. But like I said, I get my fix from work. I get I, I derive pleasure out of uh, seeing other people's dogs and being in a position to be able to help them. So that is uh, very important to me, but I think that also kept me sane. Uh, going back to when you just had the three and out, when at what stage did the other litter come in? <laughs> so not too long, really. So about so one year later, uh, we had a litter of four. And uh, after that, it was just typical. Like I said, I wasn't the best or most logical dog parent or dog guardian uh, because I just couldn't choose who to give, who to sell or what. I said, no, I'm going to keep all four. <laughs> and my parents were like, what? But luckily, you know, to a certain extent, they were all quite small dogs. They were not like seven huge Dobermans. So they were like seven small Dobermans-ish uh, uh, pinches. And... Um, so we kept, so it was just one year later, so we had all seven. And uh, what was remarkable with them, especially the litter of puppies, was that, yes, it's a litter of four, and I'm sure this is, I think it's amazing, but everybody would think that it's normal. All four of them have such different characters, and they all look so different from each other, which 
it's silly to think it's amazing because if you ask, like, I look different from my sister and we're from the same parents. So I don't know why I find it amazing, but it is still amazing. They have the same litter. So we had the big one, like a huge bear. It's like, looks like a proper bear. It was huge. It was biggest. It was fluffy. So we called that little guy Gnome. And he was just, you know, he was cuddly. He was just playful. So he was Gnome. Then after that, we had another one. Uh, the second one was super lanky. Very, very lanky. Whatever he, uh, whatever he lacked in sort of a um, size compared to Gnome, he gained in length. So he had long legs. He just looked like a very, he said, looks like a little dog on stilts. So we called him a Sprite. And his, his behavior was just reflective of that, like properly jumping up and down rather than left and right, so to speak. So he'll just jump up and down. So he's called a little Sprite. Then after that, we had a, a little runt, blast, tiny little thing, half the size of Gnome, and just always looking very, very poorly and very, very sick and just very small and looking very sad for itself not 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 confident at all compared to no who's like a big teddy bear and sprite who jumps up and down super lanky pixie uh, pixie we call him because the smallest little thing so we call him pixie he was just always looking very, very uh, almost ill really <laughs> bless him so he was just not he was fairly healthy as and Philip didn't seem to have the energy and uh, he would play, he would still walk around, but everything is just half the speed of what Gnome and Sprite would get up to. And then after that, uh, so there were three boys and the last one was a little girl and uh, she was called Elf and she was very, very sweet. So similarly to Mew Mew, she was quite feisty, but she was very, very sweet and she was the one who sort of uh, kept closest to me uh, together with Mew Mew really. Mm-hmm. So that was quite interesting. So you get three boys and one girl with all totally different characters. They all look totally different, different sizes, different traits, different characteristics. And uh, in a sense, they all had the different names that I felt was suitable for their character. Um, So that was pretty good. Um, The only thing that was quite, uh, I I can still remember very clearly when they were born, they were about like that big. So, Tiny, like, like like a little hamster. And uh, you had to be so careful at night when you're walking around <laughs> because uh, you do not want to step on them. So obviously we had to call on them all safe and things like that. But uh, it was always my greatest fear, even though I know that they were safe. There's nowhere I'm going anywhere close to them. I'm still fearful when I get to the bathroom at night or when I walk at night from my bed and things like that. that I was like, okay, where are they? Where are they right now? So that was, uh, that was what I saw, remember quite well. When they grew up, they were very sweet. Um, and they, so, you know, naturally I bought different baits for them, but they all seemed to like to just squeeze in together into a pile onto the smallest bait ever. That they're almost just falling out of the bait. I'm like, there's a perfectly good bait over there. But no, they want to squeeze into the smallest bait. So, so seven of them will squeeze into two small beds. So four on one side, three on one side, and just probably squeeze like and just spilling out. And uh, that was where I felt was quite cool because that is where, because, okay, one problem you have with seven dogs is that when you try to cuddle them, they all come together. Okay, so you cannot just have one attention. Everybody will like me, 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 me. So it is almost impossible. Nothing's more, almost impossible to say to give attention to one. Mm-hmm. So what I felt was very, very cool is that to a certain stage, I got them to a point whereby they were all resting or just viewing, looking at me very, very cautiously, you know, when I'm in my room doing my work or things like that. The sudden moves, they all come to you and start wanting attention because they're, oh yeah, he's free. Let's go for attention right now. So what was very, very cool was that when they were resting in their, in their little baskets, just watching me, and there was a stage where I could turn around, look at them very, very closely and just call one by one and just call the name of one, and one will walk out, and you play with a cuddle, and you send him back again, and you send another one here, so they could come one by one, all seven of them. Yeah, nice. uh, I thought that was very cool. <laughs> so you can actually give attention to one dog, all the rest waited, compared to a mayhem of seven dogs, just wanting pets and cuddles. I only have got two hands. How do I cuddle seven dogs at one time? <laughs> so that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with them. So how was Mimo during the the pregnancy period of her mother and, and how was she when the pups first came? Um, she was actually okay. She wasn't too dramatic or anything like that. So throughout the whole pregnancy, she was pretty okay. The only one that she usually sort of uh, uh, had a disagreement with was with Duku, the father. 
and the two of them would have rows. But with anybody else, uh, with, with, with Queenie, she was fine. And uh, what happened that was quite interesting was uh, when the puppies were born, she was actually almost like a big sister, mm-hmm. just of uh, taking care of them as well and just, you know, being like a, uh, a pack, uh, just giving them guidance where to we where to we can see the four of them just following her around um, where to eat when to eat uh, what to do when they find something like a moth or a butterfly um, and they were just watching and learning it was quite interesting to watch actually and uh, where she would sort of show them where to we and poo or when to we and poo so that is also quite interesting as well um, she was always very, very gentle with them. There was uh, hardly ever any scrap. It was always just with the father. <laughs> the father-daughter relationship is always very special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nice. Um, one thing I ask uh, all my guests is to com- complete the sentence, I can't believe my dog ate... <laughs> Oop. Oop. <laughs> Poop. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Uh, poop is one of the biggest things. I'm like, why do you do that? But not all, not all of them did it. Only one puppy did that. I think it was only Pixie who was doing that. Uh, but apart from that, uh, my dogs, they were very good. I can't believe my dogs ate well together. That's the thing. Yeah. Ah, that's good. So good. And I always like answers when they're, they're like, actually, I like all the answers. Some are very entertaining. <laughs> but when someone says, no, my dog doesn't pick up, you know, things that it shouldn't pick up and eat, I think that is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful that, you know, when seven of them, they would eat together. And uh, there was it because sometimes you can get uh, food protection. Where they protect, they're, they're, they're guarding their food, and they get the scraps and you feed them separately and things like that. So I was quite thankful that they all ate together uh, from two big bowls, um, and uh, there wasn't any sort of fights or anything like that. Um, I'm also quite grateful for them for not eating too much poop. <laughs> this is only just one little pup that ate poop, uh, but they were quite dainty. Uh, I like to think sophisticated, delicate things <laughs> that uh, was uh, very, very specific with their palate. <laughs> it's good to something smelly. Other dogs may just, like a collie would probably just go, or Labrador just gobble it up. They look at it and they walk away. I'm like, good job. Well done. You've got taste. <laughs> so I'm just very grateful for them. So yeah, they, they, they don't really eat grass or eat poo or things like that or eat too much rubbish. But that's good. So what about, um, and especially because you're a vet, medical issues, did they, anyone, anyone have any sort of like major dramas or? Yeah, so um, Miu Miu had a bit of a, had a bout of cystitis, a bit of inflammation in the bladder. Um, apart from that, a, no, not much dramas really. Um, Duku's passing was one of the... Uh, calmest but also saddest thing that I've seen so literally he fell uh, he, he died in his sleep so it's not many dogs that do that but certainly he was one that did and I can still clearly remember the day before he was fine running around he was getting slow he was getting old but nonetheless you know, he was still running around doing his own little duku thing still fighting with Mew Mew <laughs> and the next morning he just uh, didn't wake up he just cut up dead I was like, wow, okay, that's uh, one way to go. So, uh, so that that was that was uh, the medical things that I had really because they were fairly little, robust, healthy little dogs that didn't have too much. Uh, what I knew was that after I had to rehome uh, Mew Mew, which is also why you know I I, I really do not want to do that again, is that uh, she developed diabetes, and uh, I heard that she had uh, insulin medication for the rest of her life um, before she passed away. So that was also, I mean, obviously I, I never know whether it was the input from the new owner, change of diet or things like that. But the fact that I wasn't there for that was uh, very difficult. And uh, hence, uh, you know, I remember I was in my sort of third years, second, second, second or third year of uh, vet college when I found it out. And uh, it is uh, difficult because you think you see a dog, but it's no longer your dog. And to have that physical and emotional cut off to say that, okay, it's not your fault. 
um, it uh, can be quite challenging because you're always thinking that, uh, that this, I felt responsible either way. Uh, 10,000 miles away in UK, I still felt responsible. And I, sus- I suspect that is uh, what most uh, pet or dog guardians will understand really, um, that you just feel responsible. It's a responsibility. Uh, but yeah, so I know she had diabetes, but apart from that, no other, I was quite lucky with them. So not, not much medical health, uh, not even scraps or things like that. So they were just uh, healthy, funny little pups that brought me a lot of uh, joy in my life. Yeah. Did you notice uh, much of a change in her after passing of the of, of um, father? Um, interesting question. Uh, and no. Not at all. I think, uh, and that is a consistent behavior that I keep seeing. Sometimes what happens is that when, like for them, not much at all. Sometimes what happens that I hear a lot is when you have a pack of dog and and especially the alpha male passes away or the alpha female passes away, the alpha dog passes away and uh, another dog comes up and you see more of that person's character. So in this particular case, Miu Miu was already quite full of character already. Mm-hmm. So um, so Duku's passing didn't really change too much. It didn't bring her out even more or something like that. But it's not uncommon for for uh, for that to see happen for a dog guardian to say that, okay, since uh, dog A has passed away, dog B suddenly become more playful, more interactive and closer to me than ever before, which I suspect was what dog B always wanted to do. But when dog A was present, uh, he or she couldn't do it because dog A was an alpha dog. So so when Duke passed away, not much change at all. I mean, uh, Miu Miu just uh, had to find someone else to fight with, <laughs> but uh, we, which she sort of rarely did. So I think it was uh, more of a fatherly fatherly daughter relationship that she wanted to uh, in, interact with more often than not. But no, the puppies were nonchalant and it's also not unusual. They just went over, sniff people it's not uncommon for people to think that when a dog passes away, there'll be a lot of grieving involved. They'll start howling and go off the food and things like that. Uh, whereas in reality, actually the other side, the, the opposite actually happens. It's almost as though nothing has happened. Um, so when they, when we, when a dog is euthanized or dead, the other dogs just come over. Sometimes they don't even sniff the dog and just completely ignore it. And that is all of the acknowledgement they seem to need. Um, and they just crack on with their life that way. They say, okay, it's gone. Uh, if it's missing, totally different. If the dog is missing, sometimes a lot of dogs, they will start pining and say, where is the other dog? Where is the other dog? And start looking around. But when it's dead, they actually see that it is dead. They seem to just click to say that, okay, it's not missing. It's just that, that life is over. Let's get on with that life. Uh, let's get along with our lives. And um, the reality is that many people say that like nothing has, nothing seems to have changed or their, their character seems better rather than the whole grieving thing that people keep thinking that they will howl for the next 28 days like wolves do and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's my experience anyway. I just want to go back because um, you mentioned carrying Mumu around everywhere uh, into the shopping areas. Uh, any other interesting places where you sort of took her to? Um, I tried to get into the zoo. <laughs> Well, that didn't go down well, so no, I was denied entry into the zoo. Um, shopping areas is usually the places to go. I didn't even try cinema. It was completely pointless. <laughs> um, there were a lot of cafes. It's like, and, and because back in my time, you know, there were some places. It's not exactly uh, put up. It's not. It, it, they don't have signs to say it's dog friendly or things like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's just nobody says anything, and if nobody says anything, it's okay until somebody says something. That sort of rule. So I brought her to cafes, sit down at Starbucks, you know, things like that, um, which is not unusual at all. And in fact, I, I think right now you can bring dogs to Starbucks anyway. Um, but no, because I was a full-time student, so I was usually just studying. <laughs> I brought her to my school once, um, but yeah. So usually shopping malls because Singaporean, we like the three things, eating, watching movies and shopping. <laughs> so she was like a, a trailblazer in a way. Exactly. Exactly. She was just, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I don't think any of my friends were carrying dogs in their pouches uh, <laughs> at the time, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, I was going to say with... Um, 
Oh, you mentioned the, the 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 food. Did she have any particular like favorite food or treats? Yeah, no. Um, I was same again. Like I said, I didn't have. I didn't know as much as I do right now. So at the point in time, we were just feeding dry food. Uh, it wasn't any specific brand or anything like that. Uh, in fact, I can remember we are using pedigree at some point in time, but it wasn't because we did any research or anything like that because it's just the most obvious, well-marketed food and uh, they seem to thrive on it. So I didn't really change too much. There wasn't any skin allergies or diarrhea or anything like that. And they seemed to all growing quite well. So we just continued with that food really. As for treats, uh, same again, it's just varied. It's whatever we felt, whatever I felt was going to be treatable. So usually it's in a packet, little bags of treats or things like that. Mm-hmm. Same again, like I said, I, I, I am a, Ashamed, not ashamed to say that my information for adults at the point of time wasn't as good as what it is right now after studying for it and working with them for so long. But I was just a typical 18-year-old owner, clueless, and uh, thankfully the adults thrived despite my ignorance. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, they were quite food-orientated, that I would say. You know, that's how we can sort of teach them a lot of different sort of uh, uh, different, right? Well, I say, I say tricks, not really tricks, but you know, sitting down and and get them back from if they run too far away, including the recall from the whistle. You just treat them when they come back, or the fairly standard stuff, but no, 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 no special food treatment or <coughs> requirements. Yeah. Uh, nice, and and the other advantage from the the mini pins is um, grooming wise, they're a low maintenance dog. Very low maintenance. Claws. It's just a claws, and it's clipping. Okay, yeah. how was she with that? Uh, okay, not too bad. Okay. <laughs> Some others, no, not so much, but okay. So she didn't need a muzzle or anything like that. But others, uh, okay. Uh, others were a bit trickier. It just meant that we just need more hard surface walks. And uh, and that's, they, they didn't go for grooming or anything like that. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, bath time, no, no real issues? No, no. I mean, we uh, at a point of time uh, because in Singapore it's different. You know, bathing dogs is pros and cons. There are a lot of different health factors that is good and not good for bathing. We know that because in Singapore it's super hot. It's it's quite a hot country, and many things are quite short fur anyway. So it's not as though they need huge maintenance in that. But they did sweat a little bit. Uh, not all of them. Some of them. So for Miu Miu and Duku. They both sort of uh, smell if you sort of uh, left it a little bit too long. They can get yeast infection. So we sort of bathe them every two weeks um, just to run. When I say bathe them, it's really running a lot of water through them just to wipe off all the excess oils really rather than using a lot of harsh shampoos or anything like that. Um, and uh, just as, as for the rest, they didn't need it just as someone that's needed. It's... Um, if they start rolling in dog poo or <laughs> jumping into a very dirty, mucky, boggy pond or something like that, then yes, yeah. they will rinse off. But no, I don't have to bathe them too often. Lots of interesting finds along the beach as well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> crabs, rotten crabs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, was that, was that the worst of them? Uh, rotten crabs tend to come to mind, which is why I still remember it over all these years. <laughs> uh, poop is another one. If they ex- usually it's by accident, it's not. Duku is the one that's, like I said, a bit more disgusting, jumping in the ponds and things like that. So he's the one who will roll himself, uh, and it's that dreaded look when they start rolling. It's like, what are you rolling in? Sort of thing. And trying to get him back. And it's like, okay, you now you got this dog that's full of stuff, smelly stuff. And you got to carry him and bathe him and things like that. So yeah. all, all the joys of being a dog guardian. Yeah. <laughs> I like the term too, got uh, dog guardian. It's, um, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I think another uh, one that's getting more popular is uh, pet parents. Pet parent, yeah, yeah. yeah it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's something which uh, I feel quite passionate about. It's uh, written in the, the the book over here, whereby are we actually pet owners because. When you say you own something, it's like um, you own a toaster. You don't want a toaster, you can put a toaster in a cupboard. But for a dog, do you really own them? You have to take care of them. You can't really just get rid of it if you don't want it, compared to if you own a book or own a toaster. Um, so you're actually taking care of them. It's almost like children. You don't say that you are the owner. You say you're the parent or you're the guardian. Yes, 
you own them, but you don't. So, so that's why when when we sort of just change that slight word from owner to guardian, it brings a better perspective, in my opinion, um, of uh, you're actually caring, you're responsible for this particular animal that needs caring, um, compared to you own a toaster that you don't really need caring, you just chuck it away, give it to someone else, or put it in the cupboard, you don't want it. Uh, and that's when you own something. That's a, yeah. <laughs> a nice segue. So do you want to uh, mention your book? Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, but yes, uh, so this book was written, as uh, published in uh, in August. It's written for pet guardians uh, to try uh, to teach them how to build the best relationship with the vets to get out the most from the vets so the pet wins. And uh, it's in it, you know, we, it's, it, we dispel quite a lot of... Uh, myths and uh, mystery behind because I, I fundamentally feel that there's a huge war between the pet guardian and the vet. There's a war in the middle whereby the pet guardian doesn't really know what the vet does and the vet, sometimes there's a disconnect because we are so focused on the medical side of things, we actually uh, forget the why the animal was there in the first place. It, and when somebody says that, you know, I hear my cat scratching, uh, sorry, coming for a skin problem, the primary visual obvious thing may be the skin itself. But the secondary thing is I actually can't sleep at night because all I hear is the animal scratching. Or when they bring in a dog that is lame, the vets will just focus in what's the lameness, what's the problem. Whereas the main problem, well, could be that the pet owner is feeling or the pet guardian is feeling guilty because he feels he's done something wrong or he has totally disrupted his life pattern because he's not able to take the dog for a walk. That's the real problem. The lameness is just a small bit of it. And uh, that's where I feel, you know, as vets, we there's so much more goodwill that we can give using our profession if we not just treat the medical problem only, but also treat the pet guardian. Because uh, sometimes the first problem that you voice out is not actually the problem. And I think we all know that oh, it's nice. a... It's a just superficial level pain. Mm-hmm. So the book is called. It's my vet for real. <laughs> so for real, and yeah, can, it's can available that on if they're interested. Yeah, it's available on Amazon, uh, both in Kindle paperback and Audible form. So whatever it's uh, whatever tickles your fancy. Um, so it's my vet for real, and um, I'll, I'll make sure I pass you the um, link. Amazon, I'm sure in Australia you have got your own Amazon as well. Yeah, and um, yeah, so it's available over there. And you've also got a, a website with lots of stuff on it? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I do have my own practice, uh, it's, which is in UK, but I've also got my own personal website, which is uh, drlennonfu.com. And on it, it does have a lot of different resources, including uh, my YouTube channel. And um, uh, every week I write a thought-provoking musing using natural, uh, using nature to inspire something that's internal for us, for our self-knowledge. So that's also available over there. And there are also various resources, free resources to download to how to pick a pet insurance if you are having one, how to develop you know, six different tips to develop the best relationship with your vet. Um, and... Uh, things like that really. So, uh, yeah, feel free to browse the website and uh, that's drlennonfu.com and, uh, yeah, and a YouTube channel as well. So, uh, on the YouTube, we share a lot of different things over there, all, all the practical stuff, like uh, how to apply a spot on on your cat or your dog, um, how to look at a different sort of um, various uh, uh, vaccinations, pros and cons of vaccination, should you even vaccinate, pros and cons of neutering, should you even neuter. Uh, we, uh, we do quite a lot of different presentations as well, so it's all below up there as well. And the YouTube channel is a Dr. Lennon at Amity. Amity is the name of the practice that I'm working in. So Dr. Lennon at Amity. Um, yeah, and you can find uh, all the useful resources over there. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for sharing life, early life with, with Mau Mau and, and the pack. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting listening. Thank you very much for inviting. It's been a pleasure. Oh, all the very best. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Did you enjoy last week's show and hearing about truffles and sperm whales? Did you talk to anyone about that? Tell them. Are you going to tell anyone about this week's show? I hope you do and would really appreciate it getting the word out. Enough of my promoting, self-promoting. Until next week, stay safe and remember, your dog is family. (laughs) 